0: where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 157, My Largest Wild Turkeys. And I am your host and the guy who has finally made some definite plans for his first out-of-state turkey hunting trip for the spring of 2018. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a second, but right now we are 140 days, 10 hours, 52 minutes, and 6 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So yesterday, the Turkey Hunter podcast intern Cameron and I finally firmed up our plans for hunting North Carolina in 2018, and it turns out that I'm probably a pretty bad influence on the Turkey Hunter podcast intern, Cameron, (laughs) because he has planned in late April to take off about seven or eight days and go to North Dakota and South Dakota, so I put him on The trip there that I went on about four or five years ago with the guys, and he was all fired up about that. So he's booked his trip to go to North Dakota and South Dakota, which is very exciting. And I'm kind of tempted to go with him because it was an awesome trip. But I want to go to North Carolina mere days before he leaves to go to North Dakota and South Dakota. So it looks like I've talked him into taking two more days off of work right around the weekend before he takes off to leave for seven or eight days in North Dakota and South Dakota. So with a little bit of arm twisting, and it didn't take much. It really didn't take much. He's on board. We've got our plans set, and we're ready to go. I can already see us carrying turkeys out of the woods on that trip, so I'm excited about that. And I've made the conscious decision this year to spend more time in North Carolina, Georgia, and Mississippi this coming spring to try to mark those three states off of my list. Because I've made the bad mistake over the past several years of not hunting those three states enough. They are a short drive away and I still need to get those marked off my list for my super slam. So, I've got some arrangements made to hunt a place or two in Mississippi, and I plan on hitting some of the public land or national forest land in North Carolina and Georgia pretty much every weekend during those state's turkey seasons. They are a priority much more than killing another turkey in Alabama. Although, I'll be doing some hunting in Alabama during the week, of course. Winter weather has just finally arrived, and I'm getting fired up about spring. So in researching show topics recently, I came across an article about a gentleman who killed a turkey with a two and a half inch spur on one leg. And the article includes a photo of the spur on that leg. And needless to say, it's quite impressive. It is huge. The picture got me to thinking about some of the biggest turkeys that I've killed over the years. Now, even though I've killed almost 100 turkeys in my career, I have never killed a turkey with spurs over an inch and three-eighths long. But, I have several of them that measure that. Once I started getting really serious about turkey hunting, and I actually completed my first Grand Slam... I got my first turkey from all of the other subspecies mounted, but I have not gotten an eastern wild turkey mounted. And I've told myself for the past 12 or 15 years that I was not going to get an eastern wild turkey mounted unless he had at least inch and a half spurs. So why did I make that rule? Well, it just kind of seems like the magic number. Because up to that point in time, I'd never killed an eastern wild turkey with an inch and a half spurs. And since that time, over the past 12 or 15 years, I still have not killed an eastern wild turkey with inch and a half spurs. So I still don't have an eastern wild turkey mounted. I have a Gould's, Merriam's, Osceola, and a Rio mounted, but no eastern. And I've killed way more Easterns than I have any of the other subspecies. Now, I have almost all of my turkey beards and spurs on display in my basement office area. So, I get to see them and relive some of those stories almost daily. And I do pay attention to and look at those spurs and beards when I am in my basement office, which is almost daily. So, I get a constant reminder of a lot of my turkey hunts. Because on each one of my beards, I melt wax into the end of a shotgun shell. And before the wax hardens, I put the beard of the turkey in that wax. I let the wax harden and it holds the turkey beard inside the end of that shotgun shell. At that point, I take a sharpie and I write a little note about each turkey and the date that i killed that turkey on the metal part of the shotgun shell so i've got a constant reminder i know where each of those beards and each one of those sets of spurs came from so i do get to relive those stories quite often and even though i have yet to kill that inch and a half spurred eastern wild turkey i do not think any less of any of the birds that i've taken As much as we all like to match wits and win against an old tom, many times when we set up to hunt a turkey, we don't know how big or how old that turkey is. Now sometimes we've done our scouting and we have trail cameras out and we do know or at least have an idea of how big a bird in that area actually is. And like I said, Each and every bird that we harvest is special and something to be proud of. But there is something just a tiny bit sweeter when we walk up to a downed bird and see those long spurs and know that we beat an old, wary gobbler at his own game. So today it's story day. I'm going to share with you guys the stories of some of the largest wild turkeys that I've ever killed. And I'm not doing this to brag because I would just about bet most of you men and women out there listening to this show have killed turkeys larger than I've killed. So I'm not bragging about anything, but what I want to do is mainly just share the stories with you because I feel like there's something that we can learn from each and every story that we hear about turkey hunting. And so I'm gonna share the stories and my one or two takeaways from each of these hunts. So let's jump in and get on with this thing. First up, my first gobbler. So my first gobbler was a monster. And in hindsight, I probably should have gotten him mounted because he had over an 11 inch beard and inch and a quarter spurs. At the time that I killed this turkey, I was 22 years old and really had only turkey hunted maybe five or six times. And so I went down to my hunting camp with my buddy Chip and my buddy George and we spent the weekend down there. And if I recall correctly, there was not much gobbling going on. I do remember it was late season. In fact, It was the last weekend of turkey season, so it would have been the end of April. Now, even though there wasn't much gobbling going on that weekend, we were able to strike a bird late morning, and I want to say it was around 10 o'clock in the morning that we got this bird to gobble. So we slipped into the area that the bird was gobbling from, and my buddy Chip was really the only one of us who knew how to actually call a turkey in. So Chip sets up in the caller's position, which is about 15 or 20 yards behind me and George. And George and I are on a couple of trees about five yards apart, facing where this turkey's coming from. So Chip begins to call. The turkey's responding. And that was the first time that I ever really heard a turkey spit and drum. And little did I know before that time that that would become one of my favorite sounds in the whole world. It still, to this day, mesmerizes me. I don't know what it is about it, but there's just something about that sound that's just mesmerizing to me. So, he's calling, the turkey's gobbling, spitting and drumming off in the distance, and the turkey's probably 70 yards away, 75 yards away, something like that from me and George, so probably closer to 80, 85 yards away from Chip, and... We're in the edge of the woods. This turkey is in a fresh cutover. So George and I are sitting there and we've got our focus on the direction this turkey's coming from. And all of a sudden, we hear this ruckus behind us. And we turn around and look and Chip is up running through the woods away from us. I looked at George. George looked at me. Neither one of us knew what in the world he was doing. (laughs) So... We still just sat there because the turkey is gobbling. And about 30 or 45 seconds later, Chip walks back, sits down against the tree that he was sitting against before, and starts calling again. And the turkey is still gobbling. And he's approaching. He's getting closer and closer. I can still see that turkey's head coming through that cutover, looking for the hen that he thought was where Chip was calling from and he would take about five or six steps, and he'd go down into strut, and he'd come back up, stick his head up real quick, and look around, look around, look around, and he'd take a few more steps, and he'd drop down into strut, and he'd come back up, and he'd look around, and he stepped behind a tree between me and him, and I got the gun on the tree, and he stepped out to the right side of that tree, and I shot and killed him. Now, it doesn't sound like the most exciting hunt in the world because The turkey came in. We actually did have to reposition one time to get into a spot where the turkey wanted to be, where he was comfortable coming in to that hen that he heard calling him. But the hunt did not last for hours and hours. It did not involve us repositioning three or four or five times like sometimes we have to do on these big older turkeys. But it was my first wild turkey. And he was a monster wild turkey at that. So after I shot and at that time I didn't know any better, I ran up to the turkey and stood on his head because that's what I was always told to do. That's what was done in every single turkey hunting video that I'd ever watched. By the way, thank you Will Primos for the truth series of turkey hunting videos. And when Chip and George got there to help me celebrate, I looked at Chip and I said, what What you doing? Why were you running around in the woods? And he said, while I was calling, I heard some walking in the leaves, and I look over very slowly, and I see a hen walking towards that turkey. And if that hen had gotten to the gobbler, our hunt would have been over. She would have taken him off in the other direction, and we never would have killed him. So I got up and ran in the direction of that hen to run her back where she came from, So that's what I was doing. So that hunt taught me a couple of things. Actually, that hunt taught me quite a few things. But one of my takeaways from that hunt was that we have to keep our eyes and ears open, not just for the turkey that we're hunting, but for other turkeys that can influence the outcome of our hunt. And if we get the opportunity to sometimes jumping up and running at those turkeys to scare them off is the right thing to do and it worked and it paid dividends in this case for us my other takeaway from that hunt remember i was a new turkey hunter at the time but i got a good wake-up call to the fact that we don't have to and most of the time we don't harvest a wild turkey right after fly down that many mornings a mid-morning hunt is more productive than an early morning hunt. The gobbling may not be as frequent as it can be when a turkey's gobbling on the roost, trying to bring those hens to his location, but but I'll take a turkey that I killed that gobbled 20 times or even one time over a wild turkey that I did not kill that gobbled 100 times. Don't get me wrong, I love to hear him gobble, but I can't eat those gobbles. So, that's the story of my first wild turkey gobbler and the two takeaways from that hunt. Next up is the birthday turkey. Now, the birthday turkey was actually killed on my brother's birthday. And there's a couple of reasons that this turkey sticks out to me. Because, first of all, it was the first one spurred turkey that I'd ever killed. And he had an inch and three-eighths spur on one leg. On the other leg was nothing, not even a bump where a spur once was or even tried to grow. The other reason that that hunt sticks out to me is because I did kill him on my brother's birthday. And that hunt and that turkey was actually the reason why I was an hour and a half late for lunch at my mother's house to celebrate my brother's birthday. So that particular morning, my buddy Todd and I struck out from the hunting camp in southwest Alabama, and we knew that we needed to leave there by about 9.30 that morning in order for me to be able to make it back to Birmingham in time for lunch at my parents' house to celebrate my brother's birthday. Now, why he was ever born during turkey season, I'll never know, but that's not the point of the story. (laughs) So, that morning, Todd and I actually hunted together early morning, and if I recall correctly, there was little to no gobbling going on on the roost. So, even though we hunted together early, and we did that a lot in our early or formative years of turkey hunting, we would hunt together early in the morning, and then if nothing was going on later in the morning, we would actually split up and go do some blind calling in areas where we knew turkeys were. So I sent Todd over to an area, and I thought that Todd stood the much better chance of getting into turkeys than I did. And I went over into a different area about a half mile away from him. And I will never forget this, because when I sat down that morning to start my blind calling, I sat up against a tree on the edge of a food plot, and by the way, for you new-er hunters out there, please don't set up right on the edge of a food plot. If you're going to hunt a field or a food plot, get back into the woods 10 or 15 yards. That way you've got some cover around you. But anyway, I sat down on the edge of this food plot. I took out my pot and peg call that I had at the time, and I went, cluck. And if you could ever possibly get cut off making a single cluck, this turkey just about did it. No sooner had that peg come almost off of the pot call to complete that cluck than a turkey responded. Well, that immediately got my attention, of course. And that turkey that gobbled, I'd say, was probably about 100 yards from me. But there is a ditch, a rather large ditch between me and that turkey. And I know that an eastern wild turkey is not going to want to cross a ditch. So I need to get on the other side of this ditch from where I am. So I get up and I start walking in that direction. I get to the other side of the ditch and I sit down in an area where I think I can call that turkey in. And it's actually on the edge of the woods road that runs through that area. And I begin to call. A second turkey gobbles. This one further away. This turkey was probably 300 yards away. And he gobbled again. And he gobbled again. And he's getting closer. And he's getting closer. Well, I am not moving because I know there's a turkey within 60 or 70 yards of me. He gobbled one time. And I'm pretty sure it's not the same turkey. So at this point in time, I'm not getting up to go to that gobbling turkey to close the distance. Because there's a chance that this first turkey that gobbled is coming in. And he may come in silently because he may not be the dominant bird in the area. So I wait and I wait and I call the other turkey gobbles. The closer turkey never gobbled again. But what happened was the farther turkey came in to about 150 yards and got hung up. Because between me and that turkey was another smaller ditch that the turkey probably walked across multiple times per day. But he wasn't in the mood to at that point in time. So he was hung up. And after a period of time, when I realized the quiet turkey was not coming in, or maybe even the quiet turkey had seen me and spooked i decided that i needed to get up and get moved around on the gobbling turkey so i did just that i got up i repositioned i got within about 100 yards of him and i sat down and i started calling and he gobbled after a little while he gobbled again and he was a little bit closer after about 20 minutes I see him walking down the woods road that runs into a swampy area on our property. And he's coming my direction. So I sit and I wait, and he keeps coming. He gets closer and closer. He gets to be about 30 yards from me, and I shot and killed him. Now this turkey was probably the biggest turkey I'd killed at the time. And I was really excited, obviously, because I'd killed a turkey. And at that point in my turkey hunting career, I had not killed all that many, so any turkey that I killed, I was extremely proud of, and especially any turkey I called in myself, but to kill a turkey that has inch and three-eighths spurs, or I should say an inch and three-eighths spur, was quite an accomplishment in my book, and this turkey was even more special and more unique because he did have just one spur. So after I shot the turkey, I Picked him up, took him back to the truck. Todd was at the truck because we were supposed to have left an hour earlier. So Todd had been at the truck for an hour waiting on me. But he had a good idea of what I was doing because I was late. So we checked the turkey out. I shared the story with him about the hunt. And then went back to camp, packed up, and hauled ourselves back to Birmingham in a hurry so that I wasn't too terribly late for the party. Now, a couple of takeaways by me from this story is, first of all, how this turkey just completely shut up the other turkey that had gobbled. The other turkey was very close to me and could have easily gotten to that hen that he heard calling well before the dominant turkey did. But he was not interested. When he heard that other turkey gobble, he was through. He was done for. The second takeaway from that hunt is that we really have to try to be cognizant of what is between us and the turkey that we're trying to call into us. There was no way that the first turkey was going to come across that big ditch to get to me or that the second turkey was coming across the little ditch to get to me. So we've got to take those opportunities to reposition when we get them and get ourselves in a better position to take the turkey. We've got to try to remember where those obstacles are so that we can get around them or at least to the edge of them to make it easier for that turkey to come to us or for the turkey to want to come to us. My other smaller takeaway from all that is If you have family that has a birthday during turkey season, dump them. Man, it's just not worth it. It is not worth it. No, I'm just kidding. Seriously. (laughs) So, the third hunt that I want to share with you guys today is... So, that is all for the free portion of today's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Now, if you want to hear a couple more stories of my largest wild turkeys and... The takeaways from those hunts then you'll want to become a subscriber to the premium content of the turkey hunter podcast and to do that all you need to do is text the word turkey hunter with no spaces to the number 44222 that's turkey hunter to 44222 at that point you'll get a reply back from me that says please reply with only your email address After you reply to that text message with only your email address, I will then email you a link that you can click to become a subscriber to the premium content for the Turkey Hunter podcast. Subscribing costs $12 a year, basically a dollar per month, and you'll get access to not only the premium content for this week's show, but the premium content for all the past episodes and the episodes over the next 52 weeks as well. So I hope that you guys enjoyed some of the stories from my largest wild turkeys and the takeaways that came from those stories. And I hope that you got something that you can put in your vest and pull out next season that will help you to be successful on a hunt as well. So that's all that I've got for you today. But you know, I'm going to ask you for a favor. My favor is this. Send me a picture on Facebook or Twitter or by email to andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. Of the set of longest spurs from any turkey that you've harvested. That's what I want to see. I want to see long, sharp spurs from some of your birds. Send them on to me. I cannot wait to see them. Hey, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in.